what do you like what would you tell a staffing or um, some kind of HR outsourced business owner that's considering selling in the next few years what should they concentrate on right now to maximize the value of their business um, I'll tell you the first three things that every buyer wants to know the NJ staffing podcast and part two in this series is your invitation to be entertained and informed by fun and casual niche industry conversations from cannabis legalization to temporary placement to hiring in regulated industries we're talking about staffing in new jersey um yeah yeah we we are clearly in that trusted advisor category and sometimes that definition depending on who the client is, is is a little broader in terms of the areas you get into than others yeah now would it have what about COVID affecting things now, would you say, if someone was selling now or merging? Um, any major effect on that uh, currently? It, it depends on the business, Fred. I mean, if you think of it, I mean, literally, if a, if a business is being valued today uh, and you're looking at this trailing 12 months norm that we've used for so long, you're, you're getting into six months of uh, 2021 and six months of 2022. Um, there would be some businesses that in Q1 and, and maybe Q2 of 2021 that um, had some negative, um, uh, you know, effect on the business, and if that's the case, and we can justify that it's really, um, you know, sort of COVID-driven, mm-hmm. so it's not a recurring item, um, we would probably look to have the um, the period for valuation purposes something different than trailing 12 months. But for the most part, for the most part, we're we're seeing the COVID impact uh, sort of dissipate as as time moves on. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on the industry, what what type of staffing you're going in. And I mean, obviously, everyone's having problems uh, uh, retaining, getting talent. So um, that's right. You know, yeah, that's going to drastic effect, uh, drastically affect the staffing industry. Definitely, definitely. Besides yeah, healthcare. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It, it's it's very uh, it, it's very sort of business specific. And you think of our industry on the contract staffing side, you know, the three big uh, um, segments are, are IT, healthcare, and light industrial. So, healthcare was helped. IT really depends whether or not they were doing remote work or not, whether or not they were they were they were hurt or not. Light industrial, with all the um, you know plants closing and and uh, everything going on with just the availability of workers and um, you know the, the the COVID impact on the light industrial was was significant. Yeah, we were selling a light industrial in 2020, and we we saw it firsthand. So, uh, yeah, it, it gets uh, it gets pretty specific to the business and which uh, which part of the industry they're in. Do you? What was I going to say? Oh, that's right. We didn't talk about this. Now, how, what kind of effects does your industry have on someone who's selling or, or you know merging when you have so many staffing companies you have different locations they have applicants in different states um does that make things difficult for you or in the the deal um it it comes into play in terms frequently frequently comes into play in terms of buyer interest for instance you know, California is well known as a pretty difficult state uh, from the employer standpoint, and you could probably throw New Jersey, New York in there, and, uh, and maybe a couple of others that just seem to stand out as uh, uh, not as employer friendly as some others. 
Um, so we were selling a business in California, and, and that was the first question, where's the business located? Yeah. Um, and once they found out it's California, it's like, no thanks. So we, we got that <laughs> a fair amount. Uh, so, I mean, from this, from a, um, uh, where their headquarter co comes into play, as I mentioned there, uh, the fact that they're in multiple states, you know, obviously the, the company themselves had to deal with all their registration and, and payroll taxes and sales taxes that are related to the, uh, the jurisdictions that, that, that they're in. Uh, so that comes up under due diligence. Were they properly registered? Were they paying the proper um, you know, payroll taxes and sales taxes and mm. so on? Uh, and occasionally, um, you know, if it's a smaller firm, you know, maybe a smaller accounting group and so on, uh, they may not be as um, ship shape as uh, somebody else. So occasionally it'll, it'll, it'll come up on an issue, oh, we have to re-register in two states or something like that. So it comes into play. I mean, frankly, the buyers are looking at the business and saying, well, if they're in, in these markets, if they're in these states, and they know that early on, that's they're generally interested with their, their desirable locations for them. So it's right. generally a positive, but you just got to make sure that some of the back office stuff doesn't uh, jump up and sort of, uh, you know, throw any uh, wrenches into the whole works. And, you know, I, I think about it, and we always talk about this at, at NJSA on the board. I mean, that's I think that's a problem. Just people don't know. They don't realize it. They don't know the, the, the details. They don't get in the weeds of their own business. And NJSA is a great group to find out about these things. I mean, I mean, it's a small investment to pay for a year membership. You get guys like you. I mean, I mean, look at this. We're on a uh, we're on a podcast, and you're you're telling all this good information. I mean, this is important information for people to know. Um, you know Fred, what I mean? Fred, like, when I yeah, when I found out, somebody told me what the percentages were of. Um, the staffing companies, just New Jersey alone, let alone, you know, you obviously have, have uh, Pennsylvania, New York, and, you know, some other uh, members from other states, but just New Jersey alone, there's such a small percentage of the staffing companies in the state are actually members of NJSA. When I, when I think of, you know, like the legislative component, uh. the, uh, you know, the tax component and these things that, you know, is basically part of this it's, it's, it's a free service i mean yeah. it's, it's available to these guys with membership uh i was surprised uh, very surprised to find out that there's such a large percentage of staffing companies that don't take advantage of it and it's as an industry supplier uh, i'll be honest i'm i'm head of sales here for our, our company it's an easier soft sell whenever i'm ca calling a staffing company in new jersey because i don't tell them what we do i just basically i ask them if they ever heard of njsa you should belong. I give them the benefits. I tell them about the legislative stuff, and eventually they say, "Well, what do you do? Who, what's the name of your company?" You know, and I don't really have to sell my company. Um, yeah. You know, and what's also great is just like you said, you go to somebody's offense, and people like you are just guests, just like other staffing companies are, and you know, you're more than happy and willing to tell them all this information right there. So um, exactly, uh, it's a huge benefit, you know, that I think. But um, so, you know, I'm thinking we're having a number of guests on our podcast and, and you're in the M&A position area, arena, whatever you want to call it. And so I'm assuming a lot of the staffing companies are that are going to be listening to us are going to be interested in, in, you know, selling, merging, whatever you want to call it. So what do you like? What would you tell a staffing or? Um, some kind of HR outsourced business owner that's considering selling in the next few years, what should they concentrate on 
right now to maximize the value of their business? Um, I'll tell you the first three things that every buyer wants to know. Number one is, is there a management team? Buyers like to know that there are key people in the business besides the owners, whether the owners are staying with the business post-transaction or or for a short period of time, for an indefinite period of time, or they're exiting right away. Buyers want to know there's a management team, there's key people. So I would tell them to delegate as much as possible and make sure it's not just the owners with the customer relationships. So management team is number one. Uh, Number two would be to the extent possible and you know i had my own business for 16 years so i know sometimes this is tough but try and limit your customer concentration Mm. you know what percentage of your business coming from your top customer your top three customers um it's 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 a difficult thing for smaller businesses to manage but you know try to get your top customer under 20 percent of total revenue i mean that's not a hard and fast number but do what you can to have a diverse customer base and uh just one of the uh, strategies that i use with my business is um, for the small sales team that I had, I had a commission plan that rewarded new customer acquisition significantly more than revenue and sales coming in from existing customers. So, uh, try to you know get that customer concentration to be as as diverse as possible. And then probably the third thing I would say, um, and again, it's because this is what the buyers always ask about, is um, you know maintain your gross profit margins, make your gross profit margins as, as strong as they can be. Um, Buyers spend a lot of time on on the gross profit because that's what they're going to inherit. Uh, the overhead for a uh, you know smaller business being acquired by a big business by big business is going to change dramatically post acquisition. But gross profit dollars really tell the story on your pricing. So those 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 three are the top things I would I would recommend. Um, and the first one about the management team that's that's within control of the owners. Uh, that's the one that they really can do. Yeah, I I. When you said, besides the owner's relationships with the customers, that's where it kind of clicked because you see a lot of these smaller companies, it's kind of like, you know, the, um, uh, you know, old boys group where they're doing business because they know them and then as soon as the new owner comes in, oh, I'm not dealing business with them anymore, you know. So, um, yeah, I think that's really important that a lot of owners don't really think about. They just think they have a great business not realizing it was based upon the relationships that they formed, which is good, but um, yeah, the management team I could see being really, really important. What it, I'm sorry, go ahead, you gonna say something? Well, I was just gonna say, I, you know, my, my rule of thumb was I had to get to the point where I felt like I could take a, uh, a two or three va- two yeah. or three week vacation and the place wasn't gonna fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, that, that's, that's the key. Take a, t- tell these people, take a vacation. Are you are yeah. you com- more are you comfortable enough to take a vacation for two weeks? Then you know you have a good management team on your hands. Exactly, exactly. What about um, eva- uh, valuation multiples in today's market? So obviously, sure. specifically, you know, staffing, recruiting, outsourced service. Yeah. So you know, va- uh, valuation multiples, and I'm going to I'm going to talk with this talk first to the sort of staffing recruiting companies because it's different when you get to the software tech side but I mean valuation multiples for what I'll call a recurring revenue service business like staffing uh, RPO uh, is in that category Uh, first of all they've remained pretty consistent over the last five six years Um, we deal with a lot of businesses they're going to be in the sort of two million to four million 
adjusted EBITDA range. So let's say businesses that are anywhere from say 15 to 30, 40 million in revenue. We deal with a lot of businesses in, in that size. Um, in that size range, and I'll stick with the adjusted EBITDA number of two to four, there's going to be a range for the, you know, the, the uh, majority companies in that category will be somewhere of a, of a 5X, so a multiple of five times adjusted EBITDA up to, if you get to the higher end, bigger is obviously better. If you get the upper end of the, um, of the adjusted EBITDA range, say up to 4 million, you're probably up to a six and a half X. Um, and, but all these variables that we mentioned earlier, you know, is there a management team? Is there customer concentration? You know, what are the margins and some of the other aspects? They will factor into this as to whether somebody's at the lower end of a range or the higher end of a range. Um, and then the one thing, um, and I would say also, Fred, for that for those size multiples, I'm going to call that those are the multiples for a normal payout structure. And normal payout structure would be somewhere around 60 to 70% cash at close. Has it always been roll, like that? Or is it just because of the times? I'm sorry, say that again? It, has it has it always been like that, 60 to 70% cash? Or is it just because um, the times? It's it's pretty much always been that. Frankly, if we were selling a business back in uh, 2020, when it was very difficult to forecast what was you know going to be the next quarter, the next year, and so on, we had payout structures that were 50% cash at close. Mm, okay. Simply because of the difficulty and really you know uh, having any you know sort of faith in a, in a forecast there. Um, but the one thing I always caution business owners on when they, they ask about multiples is is uh, multiples are very important, but the payout structure for the deal. What percentage is cash at close? What are the terms for the earnout? What's what what escrow are they asking for? What is the working cap? There are other components of the payout structure that are as important or more important important than the multiples. So, like you were saying, so six times, let's say general and mm -hmm. uh, two to four million um, EBITDA adjusted. Yep. Um, let's say this particular company doesn't have a management team. So what's involved in the negotiation now? So do you, you scratch off a few, a few million or you get involved with that too? How's that work? Yeah, well, so, so the first thing that would, you know, would, would come into question would be, okay, well, is the owner going to sign on for a longer period of time? Got so it. if the owner wanted to, to retire in, within a year, is now they, are they going to look for a two or three year earn out? And during that period, are they going to, you know, uh, are, are they going to look for the owner to find the heir apparent and, and sort of build that management team through this, this transition period. So that would be one option. If the owner's not interested in that, you know, th there could be, you know, a discount on the, um, uh, on the valuation because what's going to happen is the buyer's going to say, well, you know, if there's not a management team in place, I, the buyer, have to bear that investment. Mm. So that's a cost to me. So how would they view that incremental cost to them? Um, you know, they're going to factor that into the deal and there's some form of a discount. I mean, frankly, there would be some uh, buyers that might walk away if there's not a management team. They might... Too much know, to take on, right? I would too imagine. much to take on. And, and the big word here, Fred, is risk. Whenever they view risk, that factors into their offer, uh, factors into their desire to make the acquisition, it factors into their valuation, it factors into their payout structure. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned. There is more to come.
The New Jersey Staffing Alliance is the nonprofit trade association for contract staffing, direct hire, and temporary placement firms. For more information about the benefits of joining the Alliance, visit our website at njsa.com.